Hello, everybody. How's it going? You've tuned into Life Versus Work here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Now, the purpose of Life Versus Work really is to examine how everyone can best find that balance between their personal lives with, of course, the responsibilities of work. Now, not only has work-life balance become a huge consideration for many workers today, but the impact of the economy in the U.S., as well as evolving roles between men and women, both at home and in the workplace, have all made things a little more complicated for employers, particularly when it comes to employees who are also responsible for caregiving duties, a topic we're going to discuss today. Attorney Mara Levin is joining us from New York. Mara is a partner at Herrick Feinstein LLP and the co-chair of the firm's employment practice group. Mara, thanks a lot for coming on today. My pleasure. Yeah, I guess, first of all, if you can, describe a little bit just your experience, um, particularly in terms of, of these employment issues. Sure. Well, um, I represent public and private companies in all types of employment litigation, including claims brought under federal, state, and local laws, alleging various types of workplace harassment or discrimination. Um, my practice also focuses on risk management. I advise clients on a wide range of personnel issues, including requests for flexible work schedules, leaves of absence, and disability or accommodation requests. I draft and update and audit employment policies and manuals, um, and that would include policies concerning FMLA leave, which I'm sure we'll discuss today, mm-hmm. parental leave, and modified work schedules. And lastly, I conduct seminars and sensitivity training programs for employees and all levels of management. Right. Well, obviously, uh, that's why we call on you. You have the experience. Uh, uh, you've been in these certain situations where you've had to discuss this sort of thing. Now, again, we're focusing on employees who are you know, caregivers, whether it be children, a spouse, um, others in, in need of care. I guess, first of all, are caregivers acknowledged as some sort of group in the workplace as far as where concessions are made or something to that effect? Well, uh, any employee who is responsible to care for a child or a spouse or a parent or a sibling is considered a caregiver, and um, they would be entitled to protection under federal law if certain criteria are met. And when I say federal law, I'm really referring to the Family Medical Leave Act, which is which I'll refer to today as the FMLA. Mm-hmm. While most employers recognize that some employees have caregiver responsibilities, many in my practice seem to uh, not realize that there are a growing number of men that have taken on the caregiver role. Um, I'll just give you a couple of statistics here. Uh, A 2012 analysis by the Pew Research Center's Internet and American Life Project reports that male caregivers now comprise 45% of all family caregivers in the nation. Mm. Um, And between 1996 and 2011, men caring for a family member with Alzheimer's disease or some other form of dementia more than doubled from 19% to 40%. And from 1965 to 2003 the amount of time that men have spent caring for children has nearly tripled. Wow. So men are certainly entitled to the same protections as women are, and employers need to be sensitive to that. And I think that is where uh, maybe a lot of the, I don't want to say issues, but sort of the confusion, that sort of thing has come up. Now, you know, we mentioned caregivers, and you said, you know, certain requirements have to be met. Uh, When you talk about what, as far as like FMLA, is that, you talk about requirements being met, is it in talking about persons with disabilities or illness, or can it be even brought into just, hey, we have two children, I need to be home at 6 o'clock, I can't stay late for work. Is that completely separate? The, the FMLA forms a, a federal type of protection, and some states have adopted the FMLA in some form. A state can't, can't give less protections than the FMLA, which is a federal law that applies to all employers if they meet a certain criteria. Okay. But states can actually... 
um, enact their own laws which give broader protections than that. But um, it's not, you know, caregivers are not a protected class sure. um, under the Equal Employment Opportunity Laws or under any really federal or state law. But employers need to be sensitive to the fact that when they enact their own policies that protect caregivers and would give them the opportunity to work part-time or to leave early, they need to be able to apply that in a gender-neutral way. So um, all policies and procedures have to be have to be drafted um, in a gender-neutral way, and they have to be applied in a gender-neutral way. While caregivers are not per se a protected class, there may be circumstances where a discrimination claim may be brought by a caregiver claiming that they have been subjected to what's called unlawful disparate treatment. Okay. And that means that when you have a policy that is gender-neutral, which is what, what it needs to be as by law, it may be applied in a way that's not. So while you may have a policy, an employer may have a policy that says certain caregivers would be entitled to a, a part-time work schedule if they met certain criteria, it may be that when men apply for that modified work schedule, they're not granted it as, as often as women are. So while it's a gender-neutral policy, mm-hmm. it may be applied in a way that actually has a disparate impact against men, and that could give rise to a discrimination claim. Well, and you bring that up, and you mentioned about, about it not technically being a protected class, but the idea of, of still claims being brought up, and I've read um, probably similar things that you have about all these you know, family responsibility discrimination and un- unlawful caregiver discrimination. These claims have gone up. Um, quite a bit, it seems like. What's been the experience at your firm or maybe other people you've spoken with? I mean, is this happening, and does it relate to the, the, the male side of things? Well, um, there, there has definitely been a huge uptick in family responsibility discrimination uh, cases. I mean, that, that, that term, family responsibility discrimination, is, is, is a pretty new term mm-hmm. in the legal world. Um, and it just goes to show that there are uh, you know, the, the reason that they've gotten their own term is because there has been such a dramatic increase in those cases. Lawsuits filed by employees with family caregiving obligations have increased almost 400% in the past decade. Wow. And that's at a time when the overall number of employment discrimination cases have, in fact, decreased. Hmm. So um, while many of these claims are filed for violations of the Family Medical Leave Act, more often, the claim is based on an employer's own policy, either not being gender neutral or not being applied, as I discussed before, in a gender neutral way. The EEOC has reported a rise in employment discrimination claims, which means claims that are not filed in court but filed with the EEOC, which is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, okay. by both male and, and female caregivers of, of children, the disabled, and the elderly. Um, the EEOC actually, in the last five years, have reported that the, the increase has, has been rising on a, on a fairly consistent way. So the EOC received about 700 charges alleging unlawful caregiver discrimination or family responsibility discrimination. They've resolved over 500 of those, and, um, and they have been able to get uh, about $800,000 for complaining parties. So there's definitely um, uh, a trend in, in terms of discrimination cases, in discrimination cases based on um, family responsibility obligations. Now, you know, you touched on a little bit there as far as the, the reasons maybe some of these claims are filed. You know, a lot of it comes down to the language of, of a policy. Can you point to anything in particular, um, and you can look at it from either way, anything in particular maybe employers are struggling, adapting to the idea of more men 
sort of taking on this role? I mean, are there certain reasons that, that that's an issue at all? Or overall, you said claims for both females and males have gone up. Are there particular reasons that you see or hear that this is becoming more of an issue, or at least it's it's being brought to the forefront more often? Sure. Um, I mean, it's some of some of the factors that would that would tend to demonstrate why there are more of these claims generally is um, first the number of women in the labor force has increased by 16 percent between 1970 and 2005. That's a good point. And yeah, so as a result of that, you have more requests. For men now that want that that are are trying to take on their share of responsibility now that women are working more often outside the home and and in fact the employment rate for those women who who are now working in the workplace with young children is twice that of the women that were working in 1975 which just goes to show that not only are more women in the workplace but more women with young children are in the workplace. Sure. And um, you know, there's that sandwich generation. Those are people basically between the ages of 30 and 60, who not only have obligations with respect to their children, but they have obligations with respect to um, elderly parents. And so that's another reason why we've seen an increase in, in FRD litigation. Moreover, look, one third of families now have at least one disabled family member, hmm. and 10% of families have a child with a disability. So I think that employers are realizing that um, they need to be more sensitive to that. And you know, one, one way in which employers, certainly my clients, are becoming more sensitive to that is when they get served with a lawsuit saying that they've been um, treating somebody unfairly. Now, again, what we were talking about before um, is you know, what forms the basis of a legitimate claim. One thing is that if you have a policy that's not gender neutral or, not, or that's not being applied in a gender neutral way, or claims under the Family Medical Leave Act. Now, Family Medical Leave Act affords federal protections for caregivers, but it's not, it's not applied across the board. For mm-hmm. example, um, you need to have worked for the employer for 12 months um, before you're entitled to the protections under the Family Medical Leave Act, and you need to have worked 1,250 hours, which basically means you need to have been a full-time employee, right. and that would enable you to take 12 weeks of unpaid leave in the event of caring for a newborn child or um, if you've adopted a child or um, you've had a child placed with you in foster care, if you're caring for immediate, an immediate family member with a serious health condition, and that's defined as a spouse, child, or parent, or when you want when the, the employee, him or herself, wants to take leave um, because they're unable to work due to a serious health condition. So while federal law has certain protections, the employer must be be um, must have at least 50 or more people, okay. and the employee must meet that minimum of having worked for at least 12 months. But yeah, there's a lot of claims being brought both under, as I said, under an employer's own policy if they have one, um, or under the Family Medical Leave Act. Well, let's touch on that uh, quickly. You know, obviously you mentioned the, the Family Medical Leave Act, but in terms of maybe what a, a policy that's being drawn up, um, I mean, are there basic legal guidelines that an employee needs to follow or adhere to when they're claiming to be, you know, have those caregiver responsibilities? I mean, you talked about meeting requirements as far as being an employee, but are there other things, other basic requirements they need to, to show? Well, if you're drafting your own policy, you really could draft it in any way mm-hmm. and place any fair parameters, again, as long as it's applied in a gender-neutral way. So you could require, if, you know, if you're an employer who doesn't, who doesn't meet the 50 or more people under the Family Medical Leave Act, 
you can have your own policy where you still want to provide, you're sensitive to the fact that there are these people out there that um, have these caregiver responsibilities, and you don't want to lose valuable employees. So um, an employer would, would, would be able to set, as I said, their own parameters. They could say someone is entitled to take leave under certain circumstances, and they could impose their own type of circumstances, such as you have to have worked for us for at least a year, or you had to, you had to have worked for us for at least two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, whatever type of parameters they want to they wanna impose that they think are fair and are applied, again, in a gender-neutral way would, would be lawful. The one thing, one way in which um, you could, the law permits, certainly, for, um, in, let's say, in the case of um, pregnancy, mm-hmm. maternity leave, um, a woman who has a baby is entitled to a pregnancy leave or a maternity leave that a man may not otherwise be entitled to. I'll explain what I mean by that. A woman is entitled to pregnancy leave basically based on her disability. So there are pregnancy discrimination statutes. There is the Americans with Disability Act. Um, and so... Uh, a woman is entitled, if they're incapacitated because of pregnancy, childbirth, or other related medical conditions, they may be entitled to take a pregnancy leave that a man may not be entitled to. Okay. So if you don't have a, a maternity policy, but you may have a short-term disability policy, and certainly you're going to get a, a woman is going to, have, going to get a doctor to say that they need time off for usually at least two weeks after a pregnancy, um, that's a vaginal birth, and then a a longer period of time after a C-section, a man wouldn't be able to claim that it's gender discrimination because he's not being given that opportunity to take off. However, if you have a policy that allows for parental leave in the event you have a child, that leave has to be applied in a gender-neutral way. And again, when if you have a policy that allows for a part-time position or a flexible work schedule, you need to be able to, to if you're offering that, and you're, you, you have to offer it to women, and you have to offer it to men as well. And, and you have to apply it in a, in a gender-neutral way. So if you have a woman that, and, and, and a man that both ask for a part-time schedule and only one person is entitled to a part-time schedule, let's say within that department, you, the employer can't be thinking, well, I'm going to give it to the woman because she's a woman and she really <laughs> needs to be home more than the man. That's just one criteria that, that, you can't, that you can't consider in determining who to, give, who to grant the leave to. In, in 2007, actually, the, the EEOC issued um, a guidance on how best to create policies that would be fair. Mm-hmm. And, and they basically advised employers that they should develop um, and enforce uh, an EEO policy that addresses conduct that might constitute unlawful discrimination against care- caregivers based on characteristics that are actually protected by federal anti-discrimination laws. So an effective policy, according to the EEOC, should keep in mind common stereotypes or biases about caregivers that may actually result in unlawful conduct. So you have a supervisor who's being asked for leave by a male, and they're thinking, well, why should you have leave? I mean, you know, your wife's job is to stay home and take care of the kids. I mean, you still have these stereotypes, and your job is to work. So uh, you have a lot of supervisors and employers who are not sensitive to those stereotypes and biases. In in addition, when you're considering requests, you shouldn't make, by a male caregiver, you shouldn't make a male caregiver jump through any additional hurdles 
or in order to demonstrate that they're entitled to leave. So if you're, if a female says I need to, I need a part-time work schedule or I need to leave I need to leave early on certain days or I, I need to telecommute on a certain day um, because I need to take care of my kids and an employer is inclined to grant that they can't then probe when a when a male counterpart asks the same thing. Okay. Well, why is that? Isn't your wife home? I mean, that would be having a gender-neutral policy, but employing it in a discriminatory way. Well, let me jump on that right there since you brought that up. So what we're saying is, I mean, if, if, a, if a woman did come up to the employer and said, I need to have, you know, I need to leave early on this day because of caring for kids, they're not under obligation to allow her to do that, correct? It's just the idea that whatever they do there, they must follow through as a consistent policy. Absolutely. Okay. They, they have to. What, what I say to employers is, number one, if you're going to allow that, um, even if you're going to allow it on an ad hoc basis, you really should have a written policy. Right. And it's important, especially at large companies, if you have that policy, then you have supervisors going to that policy or the, your HR people going to that policy to look at what criteria need to be met. But if you don't have a policy at all, you certainly don't need to, to grant a request for for leave or for a modified work schedule. But once you start doing it, you really need to keep, you know, copious notes on who you're granting it to and what criteria they met in your own mind to ensure that as these requests come up, you're not uh, you're not employing discriminatory criteria in granting it to some and not granting it to others. Well, that'll conclude part one as we discuss the topic of managing caregivers in the workplace. Our expert guest here on Life vs. Work is attorney Mara Levin, a partner at Herrick Feinstein LLP in New York. In part two, we'll talk about the benefits of giving employees some flexibility with their work, as well as the concerns employers may have with such accommodations. If you'd like to find part two, you can just go to localjobnetwork.com, click on the radio tab near the top of the screen, then in the search box on the upper left-hand side, just type in Managing Caregivers, and it should pop up there for you. Meanwhile, if you do have any questions or suggestions, email us at lgnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Tim Muma. Take care.